Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is supported by Amarillo Hearing Clinic, Amarillo's home for diagnostic hearing healthcare services, which was formerly known as Ormson Hearing. The doctors of audiology at Amarillo Hearing Clinic focus on the diagnosis and treatment of all hearing disorders, and they work with every patient to develop an individualized plan. And they see all patients from birth to end of life and treat them like family. And my mom spent her career in deaf education, so I've spent a lot of time within that community, and I know how much technology has advanced when it comes to testing hearing to treating hearing loss with hearing aids and other technology. Amarillo Hearing Clinic is the local expert in that technology from hearing aids to hearing healthcare. Contact them today at 806-468-4343 or visit amarillohearing.com. That's amarillohearing.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Shelby Massey and Capital Peak Realty online at capitalpeakrealty.com and to The Pergola Shop online at thepergolashop.com. Today's guest is Cynthia Barilla Graham. She goes by Cindy, a prominent family law attorney here in Amarillo. And Cindy has been practicing in the Texas Panhandle for three decades in a variety of areas, but over the past 20 years has focused on family law. And for me, at least, family law is a really interesting corner of the legal world. Because in addition to the legal aspect of it, it comes with a difficult emotional component. I mean, there are contentious parts like divorce cases and child custody, and then there's celebratory elements like adoptions. And so one of the reasons I wanted to speak to Cindy uh, was because of that element of it, and also because of her emphasis on what she calls collaborative divorce. That's a mediation process that helps couples navigate all the legal stuff within a divorce without mudslinging or conflict. And so we talk about that. We talk about her career and a lot of other topics. So here's Cindy Graham. Cindy Graham, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you. And I want to start with you the same way I start with all my guests. And that's just to ask you why you're here in this area. So what brought you to Amarillo? It's kind of a long, long story. My dad was in the military and... um, he did that for 20 years, and then he retired, and he went to law school at Texas Tech. Okay. So I went to high school in Lubbock, which, you know, we have this rivalry with Lubbock now, which is kind of funny to me. What high school did you go to? I went to Lubbock Monterey. Okay. So um went to high school, and then I was tired of moving, and um, so I stayed and went to undergrad. But in the meantime, my mom and dad had moved to Hereford. So my dad was a prosecutor for Roland Saw back in the day over in Hereford. My parents stayed there for about four years, and then they went to Dallas. So then I um, graduated tech and went to UT for law school. And after law school, I went to Dallas because that's where my whole family was. They kind of all migrated there. My, both mm-hmm. my sisters were there. My, my parents were there. So this was 1990. And I worked for this lawyer who had a big workers' comp practice because back in the day, that was a hot thing. And he wanted somebody to do his family and criminal spinoff from okay. his comp case. And so I worked for him, and after my third paycheck bounced, <laughs> I quit. All right. So I Seems quit. Seems like a, a good yeah. enough reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. And, um, yeah, I was without a job. And it was 1990. It was one of the worst recessions that Texas had ever had. Mm-hmm. And so I spent quite some time looking for a job, and everybody was like, well, you need more experience. I hadn't been out for really all that long, maybe 
less than a year. Okay. And uh, so I spent a lot of time looking for a job and just couldn't find anything. And finally, I got a job offer here in Potter County. And I was prosecuting. I prosecuted, it was Dale Elliott and then later for Sonia Letson when she was the okay. county attorney. And I did that for several years and I just ended up here. So. Did you always know that you wanted to go into law? I mean, because that's what your dad did was... Was that you kind of following in his footsteps or there, there wasn't any pushing back and saying, well, that's what he does. I'm going to do something else. Well, you know, all his law school friends were pushing back saying to me, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but I ignored them because I'm smarter than them. Right. So <laughs> I always knew. And, and you know, I'm certain it, it had to do with the fact that he was that was his planned career. So um, it was really kind of cool. He was, you know, he's Hispanic poor Hispanic family in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he joined the military. And it was a great way for him really to get out of that poverty cycle. But he got his undergrad while he was in the Navy. Okay. And so when we lived in San Angelo, he got his degree from Angelo State. And then he had one more tour of duty, and that was in Fort Meade, Maryland. And so he got his paralegal degree when we were up there. Didn't need to, but did it just because. And then he knew he wanted to go to law school. So during that time, I was in junior high. And I mean, I just kind of knew. There was also this show called um, Petrocelli, and I loved that show. It was about mm. a lawyer a thousand years ago. I yeah. bet they had one season or something. But I loved that show, and I was like, I'm going to be a family lawyer. And I don't even think I knew what family lawyers did. I mean, there was nobody in my family that was divorced. I had really no idea what divorce was about. I really had no idea what family law was about. But that's always what I said I was going to do. Okay. So, How long were you uh, working for the county? How long did that last? I worked there for about three and a half years, and then I went into private practice. It was that was an interesting decision because I had to decide would I would I go back to Dallas where my family was, or mm-hmm. would I stay here? And things were just kind of really starting to take off for me here. You know, I had volunteered at um, the Adult Literacy Council, and I was working with Evelyn Rivers, and um, I had just gotten asked to be in the Junior League, so I was really starting to find my way here in Amarillo, and mm-hmm. so. You know, I was like, I really need to make some decisions here in my life about what I was going to do. And so I decided I'm just going to stay here in Amarillo and open up my own shingle. So I started my own office. When you did that, like, was it as a family lawyer? I mean, is that when you jumped with, with both feet into that pool, I suppose? I did. So I did that's that. That's kind of different from I, I did the that. county stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, very different. I did that, but I also did criminal defense work. Okay. And so, and, and even that's different than family. You're on the other side. Yeah. Well, the criminal defense was interesting because you bill for that like it's a flat fee. You just say, I'm going to do this one fee. When you do family law, you're you're billing hourly. And so it's this, it's kind of a hard position to be in because you're trying to keep time in one case, but not keep time in those criminal cases. And yeah. And, you know, I'll just tell you, you know, I did criminal for a while just because you have to do something that, you know, keep the lights on when you're working for yourself at first. Um, it was great experience. I already had a lot of courtroom experience because of prosecuting, which was fabulous. Right. But it was great experience. You know, I had so many um, lawyers really open their doors and try to mentor me and teach me how to do things. But I'll just tell you, even back when I was a prosecutor, it was it was really kind of fun back then because it was just marijuana and cocaine. It really? Wasn't that crack. was the bulk of... Yeah, it wasn't crack or any meth or anything. Mm-hmm. Meth wouldn't even heard of back then. And so, but as the as the drugs became more serious and, and more hardened, um, so did that criminal practice. It was no longer fun. I mean, when it was just, when it was just coke and marijuana, I mean, people were like, well, what's the best deal you can get me? And then 
when you started getting all these other drugs, crack and crank and everything else, um, when you started dealing with those people, it really, those were like hard times because those people would call up, they'd be raging, they'd be screaming at my staff, they'd be screaming at me. It was really, really difficult. Yeah. But the, but the thing that really made it challenging as a defense attorney was aggravated sexual assault cases. And I just decided I, I wasn't going to do those any longer. Just too, too difficult. It's one of those careers that people, if they do it, they really feel called to it. Like, you know, from from a moral and ethical basis, like they feel like they've got to fight for everybody. And and there's that's kind of driving it. And if you're not called to it, like it can be challenging, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, things that, you know, you don't you don't believe in their choices, you don't believe in their way of life. And I'm, I mean, and that's true, too, somewhat on family law cases. Mm-hmm. On family law cases, you don't always agree with their choices or their ways of life or or their viewpoints on things. You don't agree with how they do their children either. But, you know, that's still, I mean, that is my passion. Family law is my passion. But criminal law was not as much. And in, in, I'll, I'll just say the aggravated sexual assault cases were just difficult. They were just very, very much the most difficult. Um, and I just decided, you know, I'd, my my family law practice was really taken off. And so finally I said, I'm, I'm done. No more criminal. Okay. What year did you start the family law practice? Well, I started it in 19, when I opened my office in 1994, Okay. So, um, when did you, I guess, transition out of everything else and into that specialty then? Well, I got board certified in family law in 2002. Okay. And probably somewhere around that same time too, I, I stopped doing criminal. Okay. So why you, have you dedicated your career to that specialization? Um, because you know, you, you kind of moved uh, from different types there at the beginning and now you've been settled, I guess, in family law since then. So what has kept you doing that kind of work? It, it's always been the stuff that's interested me. It interests me in law school. Those were the classes that I thought were the most fun. For whatever reason, it's just always, you know, it's always saying to me, I, it's it's my language. Mm-hmm. And um, so as my career progressed, that was what I was good at. And so I thought, I'm just going to make myself the best that I can be in this area. Um, and so I, that's what I did. I dedicated myself to trying to do that. And so I you know, became board certified, like I said, in 2002, and really just started trying to, you know, fine tune my practice and sharpen my blade however I could. I also at the same time was very, very involved, always have been in state bar stuff, state bar extra, I hate to say extracurricular, but volunteerism. Right, state bar. right. And so I was very active as a young lawyer. You spoke with Courtney White, and she had done and ran for right. president. Um, and it's a great organization because it's the service arm part of the bar. But I, I was active in that, and then and then after that, I became active in the family law section, and then I sat on the board of directors for the state bar um, for several years. And so it's just, I've always been very, very active. I just believe it's something that's important to give back to the community and to the legal community um, and, and, and to our own community as well. I just think it's really, really important. I've, I've been blessed. God's blessed me in a number of ways. So I think it's important for me to share that going forward okay. with not only people in Amarillo, but then also with my my peers in my legal profession. I imagine that family law is one of those things where if you have needed someone who does that, then obviously you know what it's like and, and you can appreciate it. But for people who have not had an opportunity or been in a position to need a family lawyer, kind of explain, like, what, what is the work you do and, and why does it matter? So I represent people going through divorces, but then also modifications of, of child custody matters. 
And then also I represent people um, in front of the attorney general's office with regard to child support, getting okay. their child support set, helping people get it. Um, you know, if somebody owes them support, helping them get back support, establishing the parent-child relationships. So if somebody's uh, gotten or had a child and not been married, then you have to establish that child as you have to define who the parents are and you okay. go to court to do that. Um, paternity actions is what people kind of know that by. I don't know if I said adoptions. Adoptions are the most fun that you can do at the courthouse as far as I'm concerned. But Because you're bringing a family together yeah, rather yeah. than helping them come apart, you know? Absolutely. They're the most fun you can have. That's a good thing that I do. But the, the, the hard part of, of an adoption times, sometimes can be the termination of the parental rights. So before somebody can adopt, the parental rights have to have been terminated in right. some way, shape, or form. could be by death, but then it could also be that legally you've got to get the parental rights terminated for some sort of abuse or neglect or leaving the child alone or not supporting the child or any none there's a there's a long list of reasons to have somebody's rights terminated and that's that's a hard that's a hard case we always kind of refer to that as the death penalty of family law cases hmm. because it's a big deal but it's a hard case to do that there's a lot of hurdles and steps to go through in getting that done and accomplishing that um, and really truly it, it's really only rarely done. Tell me how the divorce side of what you do has changed over the years. I have a feeling that that how family law and, and even how the legal system treats divorce has, has sort of evolved in the past, what, 20, 30 years? I mean, since you've been practicing, is that accurate? Even before I came along, when I came along, a divorce decree was probably, I'm going to say 30 pages, and now it can be 40 or 45 pages. Even before that, you know, I hear, and I've seen him, divorce decrees that were two and three pages. They were, of course, they were legal at the time, and now they're no longer legal. But even a three or four page divorce decree is just insane to think about. So the laws have become much more technical, much more complex. There's okay. a whole lot more people, you know, practicing family law these days, in part because there's a big need for it. And certainly, I guess, as our society has changed and divorces become more prevalent, particularly if you consider the divorce rates, then obviously the laws have changed accordingly, to go along with that demand for more divorces. So the child support has become much more defined than it was originally. Um, health insurance that goes along and making sure people provide health insurance and dental insurance. Vision will be coming along soon. You don't have hmm. to do that now, but it'll be next. Um, certainly possession schedules are really complex. Who gets the child when? Right. Um, not that, And that's not even talking about conservatorship, like who has actual the rights and duties with regard to, to children. So, um, but also in the divorce decree are going to be, it's going to address property issues and property has become very, very complex. Um, and, and that's just the nature of the beast. And what's really interesting, people think anybody can do a divorce and they think it's so easy, but it's really a more complex area of law because we have to know a lot about a lot of different things. We have to know immigration. We have to know criminal. We need to know property division, oil and gas, a whole okay. line of things that go along with that. Um, and when we're in a more complicated divorce, we're actually, we're winding up a business, so to speak. One spouse is likely to get the, the business. The other spouse is going to be bought out of that business. We've got to secure that for the spouse who's going to be bought out. We've got to make sure those payments are going to be made. Mm -hmm. um, we have to think about things about what's going to happen if there's a, a bankruptcy. So there's a whole bunch of really complex issues that go along with divorcing. And those issues have only gotten more and more complex as divorce has become more frequent. Okay. Certainly. 
You are a woman <laughs> in that world of family law. I know that there's certainly a lot of men that do that. Do you often find yourself, you know, on the side of the wife or does that sort of gender division not really take place? So, you know, I really just hire whoever gets to me first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But do the women come to you because they see, oh, well, she's going to understand maybe my side better than some guy might. I don't know that I have more of either gender, really. If I were to take a poll, I'm not sure I could put a number on that. But sometimes I have women who want a woman because they feel safer with a woman. But then sometimes I have men who would rather a woman because they think a woman will be harder on their wife. So um, it just really depends on on the person who's looking okay. for the lawyer, really, frankly. They're coming to you with a preconceived idea, maybe, of who you are or how you will act. Not necessarily the right one. That's just what brings them to you, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that you, uh, in your practice, have been introducing like some new uh, ways to think about divorce law and about these cases. Tell me about those. Mediation has been around for quite some time, um, but the, the problem with mediation, that's where you hire a mediator to help you resolve your situation. The problem with mediation, and I'm mediation trained, I, I went and did that, but the problem with it is that people have a lot of pressure and they're making their decision under pressure because it's usually done in a day or less. And so a lot of, they say the sign of good mediation is when everybody leaves unhappy. And, hmm. and that seems rather tragic in a very tragic situation anyway. You know, divorce is really going to be one of the hardest things people go through. Really might be, other than the death of a child, the hardest thing anybody ever goes through. I mean, you kind of expect that you will lose your parents at some point in time, but you never expect that you'll get divorced. Right. People don't go into it saying Yeah, nobody gets married thinking that that's going to be the outcome. Right. And so it's a really, really hard time for people. You know, so we, we like to say in my my area of practice, you know, we see great people at really the worst times in their lives. We don't always see them being great people, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but going back to your question, there's a there. So there's mediation, there's arbitration where you just hire a judge. And sometimes there are needs for that. We luckily now have really good judges on our bench. In the past, I'm going to tell you, we weren't as lucky. So arbitration sometimes was a better alternative. But um, you can hire a private judge, and basically you can decide that it'll be binding or whatever the decision the judge makes will be binding or not binding. That's one method, too. But really my favorite and I think the best and what I'm really, really trying to do and bring it to Amarillo um, is called collaborative divorce. And it's a big movement in other parts of the state and also in other states. And uh, really it's about finding a way to divorce in a way that really is going to damage the family in the least way possible. Hmm. It's really a better way to divorce. The parties um, work with their lawyers. Their lawyers have to be trained in the collaborative process. Okay. Uh, and also we hire a mental, a mental health person who's also been trained in this process and also a certified financial planner. So kind of a divorce coach and then also a financial divorce coach, if okay. you will, to help the team transition these people into their new life going forward. Um, and we really like to think of it as, you know, there's there's going to be a new definition of a family, but you're still going to be a family. And the really the idea is we we don't want these people to continue damaging their children and each other the way that historically litigation will. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I just kind of got tired of being a party to tearing families apart in such an ugly, horrible mess that litigation is. You go to the courthouse and you just want to go home and take a shower because you feel dirty. It's just a nasty, ugly process. 
in this time of such divisiveness, you know, that's no different at the courthouse, right? right. And so I just kind of got tired. You know, families are very divided and very polarized and very sided in divorce. And you have parents and the in-laws hating their, you know, their in-law, right? right. And, and then you think, well, what's that doing to those grandchildren? Why aren't you thinking about the grandchildren? And, and I would say that to anybody, you know, if you're going through a divorce, don't spread the hate because it's going to affect the children. And that's true whether it's grandchildren or just regular children. Just just try not to hate. It doesn't do anything but destroy people. When you're trying to bring a new idea like that to Amarillo, you know, the collaborative divorce idea that you have seen work in other parts of the state, what does that look like? Does that just mean you begin talking about it and offering it, saying our practice is a collaborative divorce practice? Here's why it's a good thing. Or are there other family law attorneys that are starting to think in that direction? So Sally Emerson, who uh, was an attorney here for a long time and her husband was a judge, she and I started doing collaborative divorces here 15 years ago, probably at least. And so we have a collaborative family law practice going, and then she retired. Thanks, Sally. But then Chris Rampemeyer, who is um, at her firm, started really starting doing a lot and he's trained. And then we've slowly, because, because they're tired of me talking about it, slowly we're getting other lawyers in who are doing the training. But even after they do the training, they still have to kind of watch cases and see how it goes mm-hmm. because it's a learning process because you really have to take off that litigation hat where you're, you know, you're spewing that venom in a way and you're cross-examining people and you're saying and looking for inconsistencies and lies and everything they say and everything they do. And, you know, you're fighting over documents So you have to take all that and shove it out the window because you're really going to be focusing on what's a way that we can all work this out together. So it's truly a different hat. It's a much better process. We found people are happier in the end. You know, it's so nice. And, you know, this is a small town. I mean, I'm, and I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. And people know know people, people know people. I go to the grocery store and run into these people. Right. I mean, I, I was out with my husband once. We are at OHMS, so we're in a crowded group of people, and I see this man who I had cross-examined earlier in the week, and he's coming towards me, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I can just see this. My husband is with me, and, you know, I can see this guy. He's going to come yell at me. My husband will get pissed and punch him, and this guy is like an alcoholic, and he smokes like a fake train. And my And you see in your nanosecond processing right, thinking, right. right? I mean, this guy is going to crumble like a potato because my husband's strong, and then he's going to get arrested, and I get to bomb my husband out, and... I thought, oh God. So I, I, my husband handed his, I said, don't do, I grabbed my husband's arm. I said, don't do anything. And so I just kind of got in his face before he came to me and said, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of here now, or we're going to call the cops and they're going to take you out. So turn around and get out. And he did. But, but it's that sort of thing that you're going to run into those people in Amarillo. Absolutely. Whereas you might not in a place like Dallas or Fort Worth. Correct. But, but it's also very nice when I go out. And I see somebody who's been on the other side of a collaborative case who comes up and thanks me and says, thank you so much for for doing this. We're getting along great. We sit together when we go to our kids' games. Hmm. We all get along great. It's just a better process. And it's so great to see that happen. It's just great when people from the other side are thanking me. Yeah. To follow up on that, if you are practicing collaborative divorce and that's your focus, you know, divorce is there are two attorneys two people, uh, what if the other side is the more aggressive old school mindset and you're coming at it from a collaborative side? Does it work that way? Or do you need both sides to be going in that same direction? 
you know, both sides really have to be going in, in that direction. They both have, be, have to be committed to the process. In fact, that's part of the process is they, but we have to get them to commit to that process. Um, because if somebody wants to be ugly and that's just their, they're dead set on that, then this isn't the right process for them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a process who people, you know, they're going to be honest, they're going to be forthcoming, they're going to say, hey, this is what we have. You know, it's not necessarily about them getting ripped off or, or accepting less or not paying as much as they should or anything like that. It, it's really a process, but it's a process where the parties come together to figure out what's going to be best for them. And it's a process where they come together and reach agreements. Yeah, we agree the value of it should be this. We agree the value of my company should be whatever it should be. And there's a lot of different methods that we can look at in arriving at what that value should be. Um, the other great thing is very 100% confidential. Nobody even knows what's going on. Yeah. Other than, you know, it's a public record when you file for divorce. That's public. We can't do anything about that. But other than that, nobody knows about it. Versus, you know, you could go down the courthouse and shoot during COVID. It was online, right? You right. could watch it. It was horrible, Zoom. horrible. All these people, you know, the judges would warn people, don't, don't videotape this. But, you know, there was a hearing where I had a client and there were 217 people watching Wow, and and how many of those kids were kids, right? And kids that maybe knew these people. It's a horrible thing to make it public that way. But people can go down currently now because courts are back open again, and they can watch that. And that can be, it can be, you know, pretty brutalizing depending upon what the facts are. And you know, fighting over kids is never good, and you you don't ever want them to hear that. I want to ask you this question. I I know this may be outside your expertise, but have you seen divorce? like statistically change in the 30 years you've been doing this? Are there fewer? Are there more? Is it, you know, we hear statistics all the time. And I always wonder if like there's a difference between the national statistics and maybe here in Texas or maybe in Amarillo or the Panhill. Is, is there any difference here or are we just falling in line with everything else? I think we're falling in line with everything else. I think we're just as divisive in divorces and I think our numbers are just like every place else. It, and, you know, during COVID, it was not really not any different. People mm-hmm. decided they couldn't live together any longer. And, you know, being confined in such quarters, tight quarters, mm-hmm. you know, made it really challenging for a lot of people. So, Well, we, there's a lot of other stress happening from kids doing remote school to people doing remote work and all those things. Absolutely. And, and not to mention with, you know, which a ton of healthcare challenges mm-hmm. on top of everything else. So we saw an uptick of business during COVID, uh, or at least I did. I can't imagine many other people didn't. And that's, that's also consistent with other lawyers across the state as well. So I think we, and because I sit on state boards and I go mm-hmm. and do those things, I, I do have some comparison with the lawyers that I meet around the state. Um, and it really seems pretty similar. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, you mentioned how hard it was as a defense lawyer and and how you get into some challenging, um, maybe emotional situations with, with clients. Like, like as a human, you know, it, have you found a way to to kind of compartmentalize the work part so that you can go home and not be thinking about you know, divorce and and families and businesses breaking up and all those kinds of things. That seems to me like one of the hardest parts of your job is you're just immersed in conflict all day. And then you're supposed to go home and be, you know, a a, a nice wife or mom or grandmother, you know, all those things. How does that work? So I, um, I really try to leave everything at the office. So my husband gives me a hard time because a lot of times I'm on the phone as I drive into the, into the garage 
And then I'm on the phone for 10 or 15 minutes before I come into the house, which is true. It just happens a lot. But once I come into the house, he makes me go change because he doesn't like me when I'm in my work clothes because he says I'm still in work mode and he doesn't like that part of me. So I go change. And then what I typically do is I cook and I cook not every night, but a lot of nights. And that's a relaxation method for Mm -hmm. me. Um, I actually talked to a counselor once who said it's the eye hand coordination that actually releases the I guess it's the serotonin and the dopamine that helps you relax and get all and, and help that cortisol kind of abate. And um, so I do that. And that's one of my passions. And it really does help. Chopping really helps. Chopping? Yeah. Is it something that you've recognized your whole career? Or like, has there been a moment where you thought, okay, I need to start finding a way to to let this go better? Well, in addition to cooking, certainly, um, I work out too. And my husband and I like to ride bikes and I like to work out in the yard. And so I think it's just about having boundaries and and really having healthy boundaries. So, you know, there's enough activity that my husband and I can do together as a couple and then, you know, taking care of our family and our, our kids and our grandkids. So I think it's important to do that. But then I also, and I tell this to all the women I mentor, when you get home, turn your phone off. Don't look at it again. It's going to be there in the morning. There's nothing we can do at night. We can't we we can't get a judge to do anything at night. We can't change the the facts or the situation. You know, we just can't. It is what it is, and it'll be there in the morning. And so I that's what I tell all my people that I love and mm-hmm. mentor, and I I live by it. I think it's really important. You talked about the extracurricular stuff you do, um, whether that's the right word or not. But you're you're also the chair of the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. That's correct. Newly named, right? Is that a is that a year long or a couple years? How, how it's long? It's a does couple that last? years, and actually, I'm almost about done with my first year. Yeah. So the Board of Legal Specialization oversees all the attorneys who have any board certification in the state of Texas, and so that means we make sure everybody has um, passed the test. We mm-hmm work with various sections of the bar to help create a specialty, which means also coming up with the test. But okay. they we like sometimes them. those don't already exist. Right. right. And you need to figure out how do we specialize or how do we confirm somebody's specialization? Correct. You're exactly right. For example, we have a new section, the aviation law section. And so what we did was we worked with the aviation lawyers and we got a lot of feedback from across the state because we make it open to all the lawyers. And so the personal injury lawyers were really offended by really what was being brought to us by more the um, administrative aviation lawyers, because there's a lot of rules and laws and regulations and, you know, the FAA and all that sort of stuff with planes. But then there's also a practice of law having to deal with airplane wrecks. And so we we had this feedback. And so what we had to do and spent a long time, what they spent, not us, they brought it to us. We kept going back and saying, nope, you need to work on this. And so they did. And they figured out a way to marry those different practices within the aviation section so that they could test upon it. And they did. Um, and so then they got approved as a specialization, but um, they brought it to us. And then, and then the people who bring it to us also come up with the test. And then also what qualifications, what what things do people who are going to be in that, who be certified in that specialty, what do they need to know that's going to carry through regardless of what a, whatever niche specialty they might have right. in that particular field? When you're serving on a board like that that's statewide, what does that look like on a practical level? Like, are you having to travel to Austin to have board meetings? Do you do that remotely? I mean, what kind of time commitment does that involve? 
So certainly, you know, with COVID, it taught us that we could work remotely. And that was kind of great because then I wasn't out of the office as much. And that was really great. Mm -hmm. But for years. Especially when you're billing by the hour, right? Exactly. (laughs) So for years, I've had to, you know, get those early, early morning flights going to Austin or Houston or San Antonio or wherever we were meeting at the time um, to go to these meetings. And it is a time commitment and it is it's demanding. We're opening back up, so we're having live meetings again, so we're not meeting as often by remote methods. But we we still use those remote methods when we decide that, okay, maybe we don't need a full meeting for that. So that's still a great way to save some money for these organizations too, because that's another good thing that we need to be mindful about Mm -hmm. is what the budgets are. But for the most part, we're we're opening it back up, and I'm beginning to travel again. So, The last thing I wanted to ask to sort of close this section up is that you ended up in Amarillo. Uh, you didn't necessarily come here on purpose, or maybe it wasn't part of a larger plan, but you've stayed here since then. And I wonder why that is, because you could practice your type of law. I'm sure it's necessary anywhere else. But why have you remained here planted in Amarillo? Because I think the people are great. And, you know, I've lived all over, right? My dad was in the military. We moved every three years. But I think the people are great. And I love that there's four seasons. I love that we've got a great quality of life. I love that I can, you know, take 10 minutes from inside my house to my rear end in my chair at my office. You know, I like that there's not a lot of traffic. I like that I can go to the grocery store and see people that I know. Um, I like that I don't have to spend hours upon hours of wasted time in traffic. Um, so I just think it's a great quality of life. And I think the people are top notch people. And I think that's interesting to hear you say that because you deal with people who are often at their least great, you know, you're dealing with them at a time of crisis, personally, emotionally, financially, all those things. Um, but the goodness of the people is kind of what still keeps you attached here. Absolutely. And, and what's really great is seeing these people once they've moved on, right? Seeing them move on so that they're happy again and they've started a new life and they're and they've happy they found themselves because you kind of have to find yourself again after a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to figure out who you are. So it's really just neat to see people go through that process. I don't know that I get, I certainly don't get to witness that. Like I witnessed the stuff they're going through during the divorce. But I also know that those bad times don't necessarily mean that that's who they are long term either. Okay, this is episode 295 of Hamarello, which means my 300th episode is coming up really soon in May. And so I'm celebrating it with a live show on Friday, May 5th. Yes, Cinco de Mayo. And it's presented by Amarillo National Bank and Texas Tech Physicians Pediatrics. The show starts at 7 p.m. at Arts in the Sunset, and it's at the first Friday Art Walk at the newly renovated Arts in the Sunset facility. Tickets for the live show are $24.99, and they include bar service from my friends at Sips and Giggles, who will be serving beer and wine and a specialty margarita known as the Hay Margarita. That's all included with your ticket. And if you listen to this podcast, like if you've been with me for all 295 episodes or less than that, probably, I want to meet you. I want to say hi. This live episode recording will include a bunch of former guests. Uh, It'll include longtime listeners like you, I hope, and a special mystery interview guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. So reserve your tickets now for the Hey Amarillo live show at heyamarillo.live. That's the 300th episode live show presented by Amarillo National Bank and Texas Tech Physicians Pediatrics. Go to heyamarillo.live, L-I-V-E, for tickets. This episode of Hey Amarillo is also supported by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. 
Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college. He's taken care of my kids' teeth ever since the tooth fairy was important to them. Uh, Dr. Sauer is a national speaker on Invisalign and uses that technology to improve his patient's smiles and positioning, and he's used it on members of my family. We really liked that approach compared to metal braces, which I had when I was a kid. It wasn't fun. So learn more by following Shimon Dental on Facebook or visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Okay, I'm back with Cindy Graham. Cindy, this is a part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes the Sam Wood Cabin, uh, and I chose this for you. It was built in 1887 by the father of the bride in the first marriage recorded in the Texas Panhandle, which was in 1877. And the other interesting thing about that cabin is that you can see it in Pioneer Town, and it housed six families during an Indian scare in the 19th century. And so at some point, there were six different families living in this one-room cabin that was about 10 by 15 feet or something. I can't imagine what that was like. Um, certainly, there was some conflict and stress happening there. You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. When you think about Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? I, I hope that we're going to figure out what we're going to do with regard to water. I think that's really, really important. I think we need to do that. I also hope that Amarillo grows, and I hope that the people in Amarillo come to realize how important it is to reinvest here. It's not really, in my opinion, the smartest to say our property taxes are too high over and over and over again and not invest in our city. Because if we don't build it and make it worth coming back to, our kids will continue to not come back here. Right. And so my hope is that we will have some progress in forward vision to, to make this a place where people want to come back to. And part of that's going to have to be figuring out what we're going to do about water. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I think the property tax issue is, is interesting to me, too, because ours is very low compared to the rest of the state. And a lot of people will travel to someplace like Dallas and they'll think, oh, they have this great thing here. Well, part of what's great there was built because of the revenue produced by a little bit higher property tax. And so in order to, like, make Amarillo a better place, like, sometimes that has to go up some. And that resistance to it is is frustrating. Very frustrating. We have it really good here. But it could be like that, that's an, an okay trade-off, I guess. If we want our kids to come back here, we need to make it worth their time and their while to come back here. They're not coming back because they always say, well, there's nothing to do there. So we need to make it so that there's something they want to come back to. Yeah. Low property tax you know, numbers are not what draw somebody to a city. No. It's the quality of life things. And that's what some of those, those cents on the dollar pay for. That's right. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? People who refuse to invest in the community. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, 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 the same people we're talking about then. That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, I, it's just, I, I want people to really start thinking about, it's not just about your pocketbook here and now. It's got to be more about what we can do. It's it's JFK's quote, you know, when I went to Arlington Cemetery last year, and it's his quote, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Well, ask not what your city can do for you, ask what you can do for your city. And we need to have that sort of mentality. And I wish more people would start to think that way, because it's so important if we're going to continue. We're, we're a great place. We have so many great things going. I just think we need to have that mindset instead of, I'm going to keep all my money for myself. Yeah, that's a really good point. What does this area not have enough of? 
we don't have enough young professionals coming back. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the medical field, the legal field, scary to me. I actually have drafted an article called Low-Lying Fruit that I'm going to send into the state bar and ask that they p- publish in their monthly magazine about what a great opportunity is um, to come back to a place like Amarillo. It's a great place to raise a family. You hear that it's so cliche. It is a great place to raise a family. I also think we need to give people things to come back to, mm-hmm. but it's a great place to raise a family. We have four seasons. It's also a great place for business opportunity. I mean, I opened up my own practice. I've never not been swamped and busy since I opened. My husband and his you know, family have a great business And so this is a great place to grow a business. So there's a lot of good opportunity here. So my my point of this article with the state bar is, you know what? Come here. We may not be glamorous, but you can earn a really good living here. I mean, is that something you've seen that the influx of young attorneys is is maybe trickling away or not what it used to be? We are not getting we're not getting new young attorneys. And I know that's true in the medical field, too. Um, so we're not getting young, young attorneys. The outlying areas are really not getting For sure. young attorneys either. And so it's really getting kind of scary. We need people here. We're not getting new lawyers to come up and step up and, and take up the slack. And we we really need that. Okay, what's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? Because this goes to the quality of life. But that's really the quality of life is incredible, I think. And again, I think the business opportunities here are really incredible. That People really don't understand how great it is. And because we know everybody, we want to do business. And I would rather do business locally. I would rather pay more for something mm-hmm. and support somebody who I know is going to put that to use, sending their kid you know, to the Maverick Club or wherever. I'd much rather give that money to somebody locally than I would to to know that it's going to go somewhere else. Yeah, that's I mean that's one thing that we've really found even with uh, the, my magazine Brick and Elm is that people are so excited to have a local product and local people and to support that new business. Like if you want to start something new, people have said on this podcast like Emerald is a good place to try a new thing that maybe you've heard of in Austin or a business you've seen in Dallas uh, because that support is just kind of baked into everything. Absolutely. What's one local nonprofit you appreciate? Do I have to do just one? That's oh, you really can, hard. You could do a couple. So I did Evelyn Rivers for years and years, and I love Evelyn, and, and I love the Sunshine Cottage. I just think that what she's doing for those girls is so great. I love Downtown Women's Center. Um, I think Diane Gilmore is just an angel on this earth. And then our family really, really likes ADVO. Um, mm-hmm. We just think that that's such a special organization, and Carly Hughes does such a great job running it. Um, it's just a really joy to see all those young adults finding purpose with their lives. Yeah, yeah, I agree. What's your favorite local restaurant or food truck? So two, um, OHMS first, because we have such a long history with them. Uh, they catered our wedding. Did they really? They did, they did. We've known them for a long time. And then Baby Crush, because it's in the hood. Okay. Yeah, OHMS uh, is the... Uh, downtown Amarillo restaurant before there were very many downtown Amarillo restaurants. And so, so many people um, have been eating there since the 90s, you know, and I think that's unique. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Okay, I've just, I'll be honest. I'm going to say Cliffside just because I know that family, but honestly, I never go to coffee shops. We have a fabulous coffee maker at my house. My husband brings me coffee every morning, so I don't ever go to that's, coffee, that's I don't all go you to need coffee shops. Yeah. Okay. And when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? So in 
it was COVID was opening up and we had some people come visit or was going away, I should say. And we had some people come visit us in 2021. Okay. And so we all loaded up in the car and, and headed on out. What did they think about it? I thought that was great. That was really cool. I always wonder if it uh, if it meets expectations for people that kind of know about it and then they go out there or if it feels underwhelming or, or what that's like. Uh, they they thought it was great. I was just sad we didn't have any cows in the field with us at the time because yeah. that's always fun when there's cows in the field out there too. But uh, no, they everybody loves it. I don't, I don't know that I've ever had anybody say anything negative. It's just about a bunch it. of cars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cindy, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So, what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Well, I want people to know that there is this collaborative divorce process, and that you don't have to hate people going forward in a divorce. Um, or even if it's just a child custody dispute, you may not agree on parenting issues. You, you, most married people don't even agree upon parenting mm-hmm. issues all the time. But I guess my thing is there is a there is a process out there called collaborative divorce, and and it really is about minimizing the damage and not spreading that hate. And you can still have a, a decent divorce without without ruining everybody's lives. Okay, Cindy Barella Graham, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Cindy for the interview. You can learn more about her practice uh, and also about collaborative divorce at CynthiaBarellaGram.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors Amarillo Hearing Clinic, Shim and Dental, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the show. Don't forget about the Hey Amarillo 300th episode live show on May 5th. Tickets are available today at HeyAmarillo.live. Y'all, this show exists because you listen to it, so thank you. I appreciate it. I'm able to do this every week because I know people are listening, uh, and that helps. It also exists because of the local people who support it financially. Now, one way you can support me financially is by buying a ticket to the live show. I appreciate that. Uh, But there are others who do it through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. And these executive producers include Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 295. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.